right back to it. Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Ken and Curtis here on your Saturday until 1 o'clock. Arcan will follow us, but it's time for the preferred Bills reporter of this here radio program, Curtis, and that is Sal Capaccio from WGR in Buffalo to set the tone for the week. Would, would you say that's accurate? We're going to set the dialogue for Bills Pats week with Sal? Yeah, it starts here. It starts here, and on the Harbor One hotline, Sal Capaccio is with us. And this coming off, Sal, the perfect offensive game the last time uh, hey. these two teams met. 47 points in a playoff performance. And what is it? How many straight punts, uh, uh, possessions without a punt now? 20? Well, it's two games in a row, that's for sure. I mean, Bills fans know it well, right? I mean, first of all, happy Thanksgiving weekend to you guys, all your listeners, everybody out there. Um, you know, yeah, two games in a row, the Bills did not punt, whatever that uh, number is as far as possessions. But it's kind of who the Bills are anyway because they're a little more aggressive on fourth down under Sean McDermott the last couple of years. Um, they do move the ball well. Obviously, they have a good offense. They have a very good kicker. So sometimes, you know, longer field goals in play. They've turned the ball over a little too much. But even to this year, right now, their punter, Sam Martin, does not have enough punts to qualify for, like, league leaderboards or anything like that. Um, but obviously, Bill Belichick has had some trouble stopping Josh Allen and the Bills offense the last couple of games. Hey, you know, Sal, I, I, just, I view this Bills season as very similar to the 4 Red Sox season, where – the generations had come and gone, waiting for a title. You had a team that was very close the year before that added in key spots where the, the team came up short against the Chiefs in the divisional round. They're the favorite to win it all this year. Is there any scenario by which this team doesn't win it all and McDermott becomes Grady Little? <laughs> by the way, 04, was, that was the year of the Sox title, right? I, it's, just, it's a little foggy, right? It's if I remember yes. correctly. Or was they that, won was it that... all. Okay, okay, so let's hope that's the case. I'm a Yankee fan, so I try to forget that, just so you guys know. Um, <laughs> I, I would tell you, listen, um, the, there is a very big scenario, and that obviously starts with Von Miller right now, for first and foremost, in his injury. Um, we don't know what the status is. I know Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reported this morning uh, that Miller's going to wait about a week, see if he can play with a brace. Um, surgery could still be on the table, which could end his season. Anyway, that's the one piece, $120 million man he was – He's still among the league leaders in sacks and quarterback pressures. He's still playing at a really high level. And if they lose him, they're losing a very big piece of what they do and what their offseason and roster construction was all about. So that's number one. Number two is the offense is, at times, you know, not uh, they're struggling in a lot of ways. Look, they're still scoring a lot of points. They're second in the league in scoring. They're moving the ball. They're turning the ball over. They're not capitalizing the red zone. Those are issues that need to be fixed, especially when you go against a Bill Belichick team that, you know, obviously can take advantage of some of your mistakes and things like that. So, that's another scenario. They have to try and get home field advantage. Can they make the Super Bowl without it? Of course they can, right? We know that. They went to Kansas City last year. They were 13 seconds away. But you guys know, I mean, coming to Buffalo in January in a playoff game, teams are almost mentally defeated getting off the plane. You know, you guys saw it firsthand, you know, playing in that environment, what it's like in that night game here in Buffalo, and getting that extra bye would, would matter. As far as McDermott, <laughs> I don't know if the Grady Little comparison is right. I know this. You know, the Bills are in very good hands with Sean McDermott as a head coach. You know, we consider where we've been here for 20 years before Sean McDermott came along with the Rex Ryans and Chan Gillies and Dick Jerons and Dick Mar- Doug Marones of the world. And um, I think, you know, Sean McDermott's an excellent coach, and he's done a very good job here, obviously. What's up with Josh Allen's health, Sal, and his sporadic play of late? Yeah, well, the elbow is still bothering in some capacity. We know that because he is on the injury report uh, with a, as a limited designation. Um, and I would say last week, they had a short week. Obviously, you guys know the game got moved, and then we had the short turnaround. We had one day of media open practice we could watch, and 
for the first time in three weeks, he did not wear an elbow brace or a sleeve, and he actually threw a couple passes. He didn't do that at all during media uh, portion of practice. And then he's also not been going out for early warm-ups during games. He's laying off throwing. Like, they they're definitely have a plan to do that. So it's definitely bothering him in some way. But he's still Josh Allen when he has to be Josh Allen. We saw that on Thanksgiving. He gets to the fourth quarter, makes money throws. Um, you know, I think in the fourth quarter, we're always 10 of 14, over 100 yards passing, still ran the ball. They finally called some design runs. It's still an issue in a way, in a few ways, I think. And I think one of them is him maybe not trying to force the issue, which is going downfield when maybe shots are available, but saying, okay, I'm just going to check it down here. And that's kind of taken away a little bit from their offense. But as this goes on in another week of rehab, I think obviously that'll help him even more as they go into Thursday night against New England. Sal, the Bills forever, the last 20 years, were just absolutely owned by this Patriots organization with Bill and Tom together. Is that mystique gone entirely? Are are Bills fans looking at this Thursday night as a nice shot for a win? The mystique will never go away, guys. A lot of scar tissue built up. A lot of scar tissue. It's funny, you know, so I grew up in the – I grew up here in Buffalo and, you know, Bills fan when I was a kid. And when I grew up, it was really the Dolphins were the team because they had actually done the same thing to the Bills, but for 10 years, 20 straight games, literally 20 straight games in the 70s, Dolphins beat the Bills. The first game the Bills win in 1980 against the Dolphins, fans tore down the goalposts in an opening regular season game. That's how much it meant. So for my generation, it's all about the Dolphins being the rivalry. But I will tell you now, there is a whole generation of Bills fans that they just cannot stand anything about the New England Patriots. It is all about the Patriots. It's all that scar tissue. It's 20 years. It's Belichick. It's Brady. It's getting the calls. It's getting all the, you know, winning the games at the end, whatever it is. That's what it's all about. So that mystique will never, ever, ever go away. Maybe it will a little bit when Bill Belichick finally retires or leaves or whatever. Maybe that will happen. I think there was a little bit gone once Brady left. But I think what we've seen here is the last few years, every single time the Bills have a chance to play the Patriots, it's Bills fans hoping that's just a little more dirt put on that grave from so long ago. Maybe a little more dirt built on their own scar tissue that they don't have to think about it. But they do, and it absolutely is very sweet when that happens. And, yeah, I think those fans expect the Bills to go to New England and win on Thursday night. But I will tell you, there's a lot of angst right now, guys, right now about this Bills team. Um, they, they just they haven't played the best their best football. I mean, they still won the last two games. They're still number two in the league in scoring. Um, but they haven't played their best football, and I think there's still always that anxiety and angst that now you're going to New England, and, oh, my God, you just can't lose to that team. At South Sports, you can find Sal Capaccio, our guest here on the Harbor One Hotline, Bill's beat reporter and sideline reporter as well. In terms of the Micah Hyde injury and how they've come back from that, and we saw, God, that pick he had in that playoff game was unbelievable. Mm. Uh, that I don't know if that yeah. you know turned the game because they got blown out, but it was it was a huge, huge play. How have they done without him, and uh, how's the defense been, I guess, since? You know, one of the best plays I've ever been on a field for. Incredibly athletic. Great throw by Mac Jones, too, right? Who would have thought Micah Hyde could make that play? Um, and you guys know what he means to the Bills just by watching him the last few years. He had a pick of Brady in the end zone a few years ago as well, um, that he just read the play so well. And he just, that's the kind of guy he is. That's what they're le- losing. Not just a fantastic athlete, um, but also a real big leader and a guy who knows everything about the defense and what they want to do with Jordan Porter. It's not just Micah. I think what people have to understand is Micah and Jordan together probably form maybe, arguably, the best tandem of safeties in the league, even if you could argue that either one of them is not the best, although Jordan was a first-team All-Pro last year, obviously. Without him, DeMar Hamlin, a very good young player. He's playing really well. He does a lot of the same kind of things Micah does. He comes down in the box. He's very physical. He's not quite the center field athlete, but when Jordan's back there, that helps a lot. They did get Jordan back after his elbow injury. He's still wearing a really big brace on it. Actually, reminds me of the Gronk brace when he was wearing that a few years ago. Um, that's what Jordan's wearing right now. But without Micah Hyde, it's definitely been 
a little bit more of giving up some longer plays, some third and longs. And I think that's what you're losing back there is those critical plays when a team has to throw the ball down the field. You just had no space to do it with Jordan and Micah because they played off each other so well. And now teams are finding a little bit of room there. Sal, I actually, a quick thing on that. I think that was actually Brady's last red zone interception, which just shows wow. the greatness of him. Anyway, um, yeah. quick, quick thing, um, last one for me. The Bills are getting a tax-funded stadium from owners who are worth over $6, 7000000000 billion, and it doesn't have a roof. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, so they went through, you know, obviously it's a pretty polarizing topic here. We know that. It's been going on for years. We have a stadium that's 50 years old here. Um, they actually did a lot of fan surveys over the last several years. Did one before COVID, then had to do another one because things kind of got slowed down and all that. And really what most fans basically said was, look, we don't mind being cold. We don't like being wet. <laughs> and that's why there's going to be more of a and, – and people like the experience of outdoor football in Buffalo. Now, is there definitely a lot of fans who think it's a monstrous mistake and they need a dome? Absolutely. Especially considering the kind of team they have right now. Although we know, you know, Josh Allen's not going to be playing for 40 years. And then, you know, maybe 15 years from now he's not. You can't build it on that. But what happened was they said, okay, well, we're going to build this outdoor stadium, but they're going to put a canopy over it. So what you see like in um, a little bit like Miami, but more like Seattle, 60 to 65% of the seats will be covered from the elements. So if you have snow or rain, you're not really going to be a part of that. And on top of that, they, I guess they have this, this um, type of technology called wind confusion, which is actually going to help dissipate the wind like you know we saw that new england game monday night you wouldn't get something like that on the field necessarily even though you would outside the stadium it is taxpayer funded obviously that's a very polarizing topic as well um you know but that's that's how the state and the county and the team all went about things and you know we're on track to get one there's still a few things that have to be buttoned up it's going to be right north your park across from where the uh current stadium is but as far as the dome is concerned i'll also tell you this guys financially Putting a dome on it would have been – it's going to be $1.4 billion or whatever. It would have been another close to a billion dollars for um, another uh, – to put a dome on it. Right, wow. but then you can use it for, like, the Final Four. We had the Minnesota game that this Thursday night. That thing is fully paid by the taxpayers. We can't do that here. I'm sorry. We just can't. It's like – I know. It sounds right, right? And you could use it for a lot of things. Guys, we're just not too big. We're not big enough here. It's, we, can, we can't even get, like, a, um, an NFL draft here maybe. Like, I mean, maybe something like that. An NHL, an NHL draft we've done – they can't do Super Bowls here. Even with a dome, there's just not enough hotel space in Buffalo. There's not enough corporate sponsorships to like kind of put all of that into it. I know it sounds oh, yeah. funny, but we are the second smallest market in the league, and I get it. Like A lot of people say the same thing, and you could do it for more things. There's no doubt, but there would be no Super Bowl ever here, and there'd be no Final Four ever here, even with a dome. Hey, Sal, lastly, uh, OBJ, what are the chances the Bills get him, and do they need him? Well, you know, it seemed really kind of likely they were going to get him maybe about a month, month and a half, going back to the beginning of the season, the recruitment from Von Miller and you know, all the things that, was ha- things that were happening. But it seemed like that's kind of slowed down. Now we're hearing a little bit more again that the Bills are still interested. Look, I don't know if he's the, he's the type of – he's the player that, you know, Brandon Bean necessarily wants to bring in. I think there's a lot of vetting has to go on on the field, off the field, how he fits in, what he, his role would be, how much money he wants. All of that has to be considered. Do they need him? They need someone, I think, to help out in the offense. So why not? Yeah, I don't know if he'll be the, the same player. Probably not that he, you know, was whatever years ago, but he could be used here. I mean, the Bills are—they need more weapons on offense. Um, it's right now it's Josh Allen throwing to Stephon Diggs and occasionally trying to find Gabe Davis. Now Isaiah McKenzie, you guys have seen him play a couple big games. He had one on Thursday, but they just don't have enough outside help or even slot help right now, and that's why they traded for Naeem Hines to help. So do they need him? I think a lot of Bills fans would tell you yes. I would say they need to find something 
in a, a way, whether that's internally or externally, um, OBJ obviously I think would, would help in that regard, but maybe there's another way to do it, and I think that's what the Bills are trying to figure out. Good intel, Sal. We appreciate it. Thanks for kicking off Bill's Pats Week with us, and uh, hope you have a good one. Enjoy the game Thursday. You too, guys. Have a great week. Thank you. All right, Sal Capaccio, our Odyssey compadre from WGR in Buffalo. How about that wind confusion? What does that mean? Uh, A stadium with partial dome and wind confusion? You know, that that sounds like, you know when you're uh, about to get a car and then there's like 16 new things they say and you just want the guy to stop talking? And so you're like, okay, I'll add that, you know, rear end bu- well, yeah, buffering like, sound. Yeah, mud flaps, yeah. I right. <laughs> that's, that's actually that's... your screen name in Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Isaiah McKenzie. How did I forget that? He had 11 catches in that regular season meeting. He just was, I mean, it. I, I, I love that Bills fans are still haunted by the Patriots. That makes me feel good about myself. But I, I just can't get over how stupid it is. For taxpayers to support something, like, you can build infrastructure, you can build hotels. Like, that seems so short-sighted and misguided. Not that I know anything about wind currents or, you know, meteorology or anything here. And if it says $1.4 billion, what's it going to end up being? Three? Yeah, well, but he's saying that would add double it for the Dome. I don't know. Maybe that's true. Well, so, then why don't they build the stadium in a city that could actually support a Super Bowl so it could be worthwhile <laughs> for the taxpayers of the state, you idiots? Move to Toronto. Right, do it in Razor's hometown. I'd like a little. I'd like a few calls on Bills Pats. Can we? Can we do that? I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I'm ready for the game. God, that was good. Oh, a little behind enemy lines, Nick. I see you. You're, you're fired up back there. That was, Sounds great. He's very good, and uh, it's you know, should Patriots fans be expecting a win Thursday at Gillette? Do you think they're going to handle the Bills after 20 consecutive possessions without a punt? <clears throat> that is still amazing. It's mind-boggling. It really is. And if they, as I said, if they get the ball. By the way, I love this. I'm, I think the Patriots should take the ball if they win the toss. We're doing toss <laughs> predictions Saturday morning. Keep it away from Josh Thursday. Allen, yeah. Yeah, four corners. 617-779-7937. Here's Nick and What's Trending. This is Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. I told Dr. Nick, come back with the Bills uh, cover. All I heard was come back with Shout. Yeah, I thought the Bills had that bad cover of Shout, the theme song, the Bills Mafia theme song. Then he came back with Tears for Fears. That's fine. Can't go wrong with Tears for Fears, Curtis. Amen. I I saw it live. And I was feeling it. Bills Pats. I mean, we're only six days away. Uh, uh, Six days, aren't we? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Five days. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. Let's preview it. I, I I am jacked and pumped. This is there we go. Throw your hands up and throw your head back and come on now. The bills are making it happen Stand up now. I'm in the mood. If you missed the Sal Capaccio interview, you can go back anytime on the rewind feature on the Odyssey app, Curtis. A U D A C Y. Or of course That's unspelled. We'll, we'll be up on our podcast page. Save W E I as a favorite. Listen wherever you go this holiday weekend. But I according to Sal angst from Bills fans. They're a little nervous. I think that this game is so massive, and I know we've said a lot of games are massive, but this year is a massive year for Bills' whole system here. Kraft, before the season, said that he expects the team to win a playoff game and that he does think that Belichick does things in an unconventional way, but he's earned the right to do it as he sees fit. 
this game Thursday night, if they go to, they lose, they go to six and six, then it's sort of if the Bills look anything like they did against this defense in the final two games of last season and the regular season in the playoffs, then the questions that have occurred following the loss in Minnesota are amplified to a degree they have never been here. Well, right, because your whole offseason you had to stew in that, and you would have thought Belichick would have done everything in his possible humanly power control to rectify the mistakes, the Josh Allen problem. So you got to come up with something. I mean, at least be competitive, right? Well, and, and do you agree, correct, that if this was any other team with any other defensive coordinator, two losses without a punt against your biggest rival in the division where you get blown out in, in absolute embarrassing fashion in a playoff game, that guy's replaced. You mean Gerard Mayo and or his son? Right. Yeah. They make um, a change in the leadership yeah. of their defensive coaching staff. Yeah, you're probably right. Yes. So if this continues and they are unable to find a way to stop an offense with a banged-up quarterback at home on Thursday night against a team that had a tough time scoring against the Lions team that you went up and down the field with your, with your third-string quarterback. So that would be cause for major concern. That would be seismic shifts underneath the foundation of Gillette Stadium. Would that give you an out to put Patricia back on defense and bring Bill O'Brien in to coach the offense? Or maybe bring in Josh McDaniels to coach the defense if you're going to go with how they've been doing things. Six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven. 779 The phone's in a second. Just want to point out this. It's funny to hear Sal talk about Gabe Davis, their number two target out there, as being sort of up and down. He has 33 catches for 650 yards. If that was the Patriots, he'd be their leading yards receiver by a mile. And that's 10 more catches than Aguilar, than Hunter Henry. I mean, Stevenson and Myers have more catches, but... God, this Patriots team would kill for Gabe Davis. Instead, if people are questioning whether he's good enough, they need to go get OBJ. Right. And, I mean, Josh Allen has 23 touchdowns, 11 picks right now. So, while he hasn't been his usual his usual self, he's second in yards in, uh, behind Mahomes. He's, I think, uh, second behind Mahomes in touchdowns. I mean, he's having a pretty good year himself. And in his last five games against Belichick, Josh Allen, 10 touchdowns, one pick, 1,100 yards, uh Passer rating of 102. He's also run for 204, 5.2 yards per carry. So four of five of those victories. Obviously a little bit lopsided. That said, Pat's take him down Thursday. Let's go, oh. let's go to Mike in Framingham. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Uh, you know what defeats win confusion? Being Josh Allen with a cannon for an arm. He can throw in a hurricane. Yeah, but Mac threw better than him in the win game last year. Who won that game? Mac threw uh, twice. God, Ken, you can't keep going back to that. They allowed Josh to throw. They didn't allow Mac to throw. Wow. That's the difference. That's hubris. What? Did you it's, have it's to compare the... the yards, too? <laughs> say, say that again, Mike. Did you compare the yards, too? Because I think the Patriots ran all, all that, that game, too. Yeah, that's what Curtis is saying. It's a joke. Okay, yeah, I understand. Well, yes. Because Josh... it's fact. <laughs> but if Josh Allen has a gimpy elbow, which Sal admits, does that concern you? Oh, my you? God. If if my if my aunt had or whatever you know she'd be my <laughs> uncle so whatever. So you think Bills blow up? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping for the, for the Patriots to win. I'm not making any predictions. I'm just I just called about that stupid uh, thing that that term the guy came up with. Well, I never heard of. Oh, wind confusion. But he was talking about the new stadium. That's that's a part of the features of the new stadium, right, Curtis? Wind confusion of some kind. Right. And in his last three games since the Jets game with the gimpy elbow, he's two and one, and he's got four touchdowns and uh, four interceptions, three interceptions. So 
that's still better numbers than Mac is fully healthy in his last three. Yeah, games. but he's beatable. He's 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 more human than human. He's more. Of human course, than he's beatable. He lost to the Jets. I mean, of course. I, I'm not saying that he's not beatable. I'm just saying that this guy that you're seeing, uh, you know, he put up 30 points against the Vikings that you couldn't. If you put up 30, you win. Let's go to the South End and talk to Jack. Hi, Jack. Hey, good morning. How you two doing? Good. Good. Yeah, Christmas came early. Got two consecutive days of Ken Curtis. I so. know. God, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. It's like a lump of coal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think uh, Bill's Patriots is going to be close. I'm going to say the Patriots win 24-21. to 21. Uh, I think, to your point, the defense and the special teams specifically are going to be motivated. I feel like you guys maybe talked about it more yesterday, but um, like the special teams uh, on Thursday allowed basically by themselves, not completely by themselves, but pretty much 14 extra points. So that was really the difference, in my opinion. That was the main issue of the game. And I think they're going to be motivated. They're not going to make mistakes uh, come next Thursday. I'm going to say Matt continues to develop. Uh, he looks good again next Thursday. I'm going to say he's going on the two-a path. So maybe as a big third year, that's what I'm banking on. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he has looked much better. Um, but I, I think the issue I have entering this game is the the amount of things that need to change in a one-week span for this Patriots team regarding their discipline, the offensive line remaining disciplined and cohesive. You have to get the, the, the penalties away from you know Pierre Strong and running into the punter. You have to get the defense back into the form they were with Judon. You need Mac to continue to progress in this upward trajectory. It's a lot to ask in a short amount of time. And, you know, I, I go back to the special teams concerns, Ken. They have a special teams coordinator that won a Super Bowl here. He's coaching the quarterbacks right now. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe he's coaching both. Okay, but he's not. And so why? You know, it's just like simple questions. Yeah. And, and I don't know. Obviously, Bill doesn't have to explain things. Robert alluded to that before the year. But I, – it's, it's amazing, Ken, when you're around someone who's not like a diehard fan like we have been, that doesn't live and breathe this stuff every day, that they watch the games on Sunday, you know, they'll listen to the Greg Hill Show, listen to us a bit, but it's by and large, you know, it's it's a the toy department, as one guy used to say. Mm-hmm. And, and they sit down, and I'm talking to them at Thanksgiving, and they're just like, but why? Why does the, why does he have those guys <laughs> coaching? And I have no answer. Like, the, you, you know, it's just the sometimes the people that have the best perspective are the ones that are not touching anything that you're discussing because they see it in a very sort of unique way where they're not too close to see what's really going on. And I just am so stuck on that because it was like my afternoon was spent discussing with friends and family what the hell the Patriots coaching staff is doing. And then I watched them implode with coaches that shouldn't be you know it's like but don't you think down the road in jupiter robert Kraft is answering the same questions to his friends at his gathering right you know so it's got he and he said something to that fact the last time you met the media right that bill is not a straight line guy you you know right but you know not only to people and friends he's he's talking to clients whether it's investors or sponsors or you know people season ticket holders I mean, people laugh, laugh and mock when I bring up the 65% off discount codes that I keep getting from the Patriots Pro Shop. But I, I bring that up because I've been getting emails from the Patriots for 30 years, and I've never gotten one that said 65% off. Well, forget and, about forget about McDermott and Dorsey being on the hot seat. I'm sure Bills fans would flip it and say, hey, if we beat your ass two more times like that, is Bill on the hot seat? Does Kraft get pushed to make a move? Because right, those are humiliating losses, the last two. And this is a team that for... A generation, basically, you beat every time. Yeah. And yep. now you're sitting here, and not only you're not winning, I mean, 
There was a play in that game, I think it might have been third quarter after the half, where the Bills had sort of a swing play, a swing pass, and the defense quit. They gave up. Like he, the guy, I don't know whether it was McKenzie or one of the running backs out of the backfield, but untouched into the end zone to go up by 30 points in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that and thinking, like, in a, in a million years, I never would have envisioned this. You know, we saw the Ravens come into Foxborough in 2009 and just destroy the Patriots with Ray Rice. And that was an odd year. That was the famous season where Bill and Tom are looking at the field in a football life saying, I just can't reach these guys. That team last year was the opposite of that. And to see that, and then if that is to continue, meaning Josh Allen is putting up another 30 points at Gillette Stadium, there will be serious questions for a little bit of a mini-buy. The Patriots will go, I think, 11 days without a game. And correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis, last year going into the playoff game, I don't know that people around here were totally confident, but the team had finished pretty strong. Like, Judon had fallen off, but that was more of a story after the year, right? The narrative that they had, like, fallen off a cliff. I think we we gave. I probably predicted they would win. I don't remember. Oh, I, I think we both did. I think yeah. we, we were on the air that Saturday, and it was a great day. It was this bonus Saturday playoff day. You had a rookie quarterback in the Super playoffs. Super wild card Saturday. Right. It was just a you know, and it was a great day of games. I think there was the uh, over uh, overtime game with Burrow against the Raiders, and uh, anyway, it was a great day of football until the Patriots game, <laughs> which was the primetime game, which everybody was waiting for. It was and, over at halftime. Oh, it was over. You know, and it's just. I don't know. I, I just find it to be – this is usually how empires come to an end. It's not because some other great force beats them. It's that they beat themselves. And it feels like that's in the trajectory of where the Patriots organization is heading. Well, so a lot at stake for both teams coming into this one. Let's totally. go back to the phones. Matt in Framingham. Hi, Matt. Morning, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Matt. Um, Curtis, I, I am so with you with what you said yesterday when you guys were filling in for Greg Hill. I can't remember the last time I've seen a very undisciplined, stupid-as-hell football team that Bill Belichick has coached in my lifetime. And I hate to break this to people like Danny from Quincy. At some point, you got to start looking at Bill and seeing and asking yourself the question, wait, how is the so-called genius Bill letting this continue over and over and over and over. And until it gets fixed, I'm sorry, I'm picking Buffalo on this Thursday night. Why am I supposed to believe that all of a sudden this thing's going to get fixed if it keeps happening? Yeah. Yeah. No, and the the thing is is that you you go back and you you watch that that team. And I – I hesitate to make a big deal out of things that had no impact on the end of the game, so just bear with me. But the sure. the the Hunter Henry inbounds, not going out of bounds at the conclusion of the first half, the Mac Jones slide, and then who was the receiver? Was it Bourne Ken who caught it at the end of the no, game? It was Jacoby went, Myers. Jacoby Myers, who's one of the smartest guys on the team. He catches the ball. He's situationally great over the last couple of years, and he just falls to the ground. He must have anticipated <laughs> there was a timeout, which in and of itself is a mistake. But if he didn't, like, could you imagine the belly laugh we would have had if that was the Jets? You know, right. like they, they get the Correct. ball, they do two laterals, and the guy just goes to the ground. <laughs> like, it, it ends Correct. the game. Like, it was Correct. just so pathetic. Chris, I was with you. I was with my family this morning at Duncan, you know, getting our coffee and talking, and we're still yelling and complaining about, wait, what the hell football team are we watching out there? This is ridiculous, and it's got to be fixed quickly because if it's not, there's going to be changes. 
Yeah, good call, Matt. I mean, it is concerning. And you're right about – good question. What? Why would you pick the Patriots Thursday? What? So one possibility is Allen's hurt, Von Miller's out. So it's like conditions seem to be aligning there. But just from a Patriots point of view, there aren't terribly many reasons to really – pick the Patriots to win yeah I mean the reason I would pick the Patriots is because the schedule works in their favor in terms of the last game for each team and what's at stake you know the the Bills right now are not looked at as the favorite because of Allen's injury because of Von Miller's injury because of the loss of Micah Hyde and they're coming off of a game they won but probably should have lost and the Patriots are coming off a game they lost and if they were disciplined they would have won Mm-hmm. against a team in the Bills that hasn't punted in two games and embarrassed you on national TV twice. So all the sort of intangible bulletin board sort of motivational stuff is on the side of a guy who's been the best at utilizing that of anybody in any sport in Bill Belichick. Except so, for the fact that Miami is 7-3. and three. They are favored by 14 points to beat Houston tomorrow, and they'll be 8-3. and three. And if, you lose, if you're the Bills and you drop to 8-4, and four, that is concerning, right? That's correct, but I don't think the Bills are concerned about beating the Patriots in Buffalo. And the Jets right now, if you're the Patriots, the Jets lose on Sunday with a backup quarterback. You win Thursday. You're in the playoffs pretty safely at that point. So there's a lot of things on the line. If the Patriots lose the game Thursday night, I'll tell you right now they're not making the playoffs. The that they are Whoa. The, the course ahead of them is too difficult with road games in Arizona in Oakland in uh, Vegas where I don't think they're winning back-to-back games out there. Oh, really? You, I thought yesterday you said you think those are both wins. Yeah, I mean, if they lose the game Thursday night, I think the rest of the schedule mm-hmm. and the rest of the issues of this team will become more magnified. I think if the, if they Mac would have plays, to win 4 of 5 probably. Right. If Mac plays well, and the defense craps the bet again, I'll feel better but the because I'll feel like Mac is at least the one thing I'm worried about. But if they lose the game Thursday night, I am very concerned about the rest of the season. I am. I, I think that 6-6, six and six, losing two straight games, you're on your way to another post-Thanksgiving swoon, and the questions that we've been discussing become, amp- become amplified. All right, 617-779-7937, little Pat's Bills talk. At 11, I will ask you, Curtis, the biggest win yesterday in Boston sports. Or just sports in this country. Celtics comeback, Bruins comeback, or U.S. World Cup tie against England, nil-nil. Which Is that even just... a result? Is a tie a result? Yes. In fact, there's a new one in. Poland has just beat Saudi Arabia 2-0. Oh, my so God. So put that down. Do you have like a... Gas uh, prices are going up. Do you have a bracket? Oh, I do. I have a... Um, well, I basically have just all 40 countries, <laughs> and I have them ranked by GDP and goal differential. What does this even mean? There's a World Cup odds thing that just came across. France to win to nil, plus 190. What does that mean, Nick? Uh, Nil is my interest level. (laughs) (laughs) All right. More of your Pat's uh, Bills calls next. We're right back to it. Ken and Curtis. W-E-E-I. W-E-E-I. So, Curtis, I've spent the break uh, doing some research on the wind confusion at the new Bills Stadium. Can I give you okay. what I found, some results here? I, I'm waiting on with bated breath. Now, this should interest you because they have chief meteorologists from Greater Buffalo weighing in. Oh, dear. And as you are the uh, weather guy of the morning show. Yep. So this, this uh, weather guy says it's tricky to forecast exact wind speeds and direction, um, but that's something that 
your people in your field, Curtis, are doing. Right. They are actually having models, scale models in wind tunnels to figure out wind flow based on computational fluid dynamics. I think that that's something a guy who really didn't study at meteorological school would say. <laughs> I would say that that's basically a bunch of hooey. Uh, that's <laughs> um, a hot air. Yeah, that's a bunch of hot air coming Weather. from that meteorologist. Here in Boston, sunny but cold temperatures peaking in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the all-timers. Got <laughs> Uh, there will never be one that tops the dog bite. I'm sorry. No, that, no. Speaking in of the, so speaking many of ways, in so many ways, <laughs> it was just so stupid. <laughs> like the placement of the trend, the fact that he's going by Nora <sighs> Princiati. Or Tom Brady Princi- speaking has a gash in his leg, bitten by one of the security dogs uh, at practice. <laughs> Stop right there. Today. Bitten by one of the security dogs. Where? When have you ever gone to a football practice and seen, like, attack dogs? <laughs> and if he was bitten by a security dog, why wouldn't it be breaking news across the world? At that moment, there was nobody more famous or under the limelight than Tom Brady. We he spent got bit days- by a dog. <laughs> he spent days talking about how he kissed his son <laughs> and his parenting that week. Which cued one of their dogs to go at him. <laughs> Great job, Bud. <laughs> Can I get back to my wind confusion, though? Uh, I'm wind confused listening to that. Okay. Uh, the Bill <laughs> Stadium will have an exterior wrap or mesh that is aimed to create wind confusion. Wind will hit the exterior, and instead of redirecting up and around and into the bowl, it will dissipate, suggesting that wind effects inside the bowl will be minimized. So yeah. that is worth $1.3 billion right there. And, uh, sorry. And uh, 20% of freshmen in high school in the Buffalo area don't have Wi-Fi at home. But we're going to do wind confusion paid by taxpayers. But you want a full dome. They're, they're going cheaper here. No, I Wait. think anybody that's paying a billionaire to build something, paying for a billionaire instead of them paying for it, is a rube. I think I, one thing I love about Massachusetts outside of the people and the highways and byways is the fact that we are smart enough not to give billionaires more money to make more money. That we don't see. And the only thing that made more sense, if you're going to actually have it be taxpayer funded, is to utilize the Minneapolis model, which is that you can be, I I understand, maybe you don't have a Super Bowl, but you can have conferences, you can have state tournaments, you can have, I don't know, a million different things that you can't do. When does it start getting crappy in Buffalo? Like Labor Day? (laughs) Yes. I mean, so it's, it's bad from September to June outside. You know, and you're going to have an outdoor stadium that's great once a week. You know, it's like six having feet the of snow. Six right. feet of snow. <laughs> it's like having the uh, the building where the uh, Falcons play with the Chick Fil A, but it's closed every Sunday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get some text in here. Three seven ninety three seven. They reach the Ken and Curtis show. We we're talking about the Pats defense earlier. Are they closer to fraudulent or elite? Two hundred seven text to the D is fraudulent. Talk to me when they stop somebody decent. 2-4-0 texture, the defense is not good. Glaring lack of talent. Remove Judon, and from this linebacker core, they may be the worst in the league. And Duggar was exposed Thursday night. Do you agree with that? Yes, and the linebacker was something they did hardly anything in the offseason to fix. And look at the um, the offensive line and how they tried to improve the Isaiah Wynn fiasco. They had to go to Marcus Cannon, who was at home. <laughs> I mean, all I hear about another big thing from Patriots fans in my uh, family Thanksgiving party is the the cap, that Bill knows how to navigate the cap, and they have better depth. This must have been a hell of a Thanksgiving 
powwow you had with the family. They had a show. Oh, what? Yeah. This really was. It like, was it was like two hours because it was either going and help with James, and then I'm stuck there. And I mean, I love him, but you know, I had a little bit of time to just sort of put my feet up. And a guy who's like you know uh, a titan in the business world was talking to me, and he was telling me about how you know this was a smart thing because you get better depth, and these other teams don't have depth. And it's just something that's been repeated so many times by guys like Ordway that people just believe it. Like, the Patriots have, I was about to use the wrong word, crappy depth. They have no depth. Their offensive line is Belichick's friend's Bobo's son, Ference. <laughs> and it's the right tackle they went to to replace Isaiah Wynn was done out of the league. They have no depth on their offensive line. No, and when you, or however you pronounce it, uh, Owen you. That, he's their best lineman by far, right? Absolutely. And he's the right guard who got forced into playing tackle. But you look at, they bring in, they had no depth, so they, so they traded away Shaq Mason, replaced him with the first-round pick from Chattanooga. They brought back David Andrews, great signing, you know, uh, the leader of that whole group. And Trent Brown was entirely not bought in against the Dolphins, was speaking to Giardi about feeling like he had been re-signed as a right tackle, not as a left tackle. And you bring back Isaiah Wynn, who has been abhorrent. And you have no one in the pipeline to replace them. The guy that would have been depth is Ted Karras, who came in. You know, I know we're getting to line talk, but if you want to talk about <laughs> offensive line depth, there was a guy that you lost to the Dolphins yeah. that you could have paid, but you chose not to. So it, it's just these. And they're, they're still they're, bo- they're they're what did we say last week? They're adjacent good. Like the Patriots are competitive, as you said. Maybe they're ten and seven on a playoff team with one or two of these players that they let go. They could really be a contender. Right, and that's sort of been the point. If they had a better offensive coordinator, maybe they're not scrambling at 6-5. and five. Maybe they have a little bit of a cushion in their 8-3, and three. and they beat the Packers, and they beat the Ravens. Or, and maybe know, Mac they, is not pulled for Bailey Zappi. Maybe he's, you know, he's thriving at this point. Maybe right, this- financially, I'm thrilled that that happened because it's benefited this radio station greatly, and I would <laughs> love for it to happen again. But when it comes to the Patriots' organizational continuity, which has been something they've had for two decades, that is... What Bill did against the Bears on national TV was not a pre-planned, you know, splitting of time. That was, holy crap, we've ruined Mac. We need to save the season with Zappi. Yeah. That's what happened. And he did that because they had depth at the quarterback position thanks to drafting Zappi in the fourth round. But the depth across this roster has been non-existent. All right. Bruins and Celtics continue to be unbelievably good. And the World Cup draw yesterday. I will ask Curtis which of the three results from Friday means the most. And do you have any concerns about the Celtics and Bruins? I mean, they can't keep playing this well. I don't do think. Do I have concerns? What would be there to be concerned well, about that's, right b- now? Well, that's, that's why it's a million-dollar question. And I will ask oh, okay. you that and get your answer next.